Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Mic check, check one, check two. Are we here? All right, we're here right now. Ish. Hey, what's up, y'all? Shapana Pin, Pindarvis Harshaw for short. Today, we're talking to the one and only Kinky. She's an artist who spent time all around the Bay Area soaking up game, and now, living in Oakland, she's doing her thing. She's a talented MC who has recently hit the big screen while co starring in the indie film Donna and Ali. Kinky's character in the film, Ali, much like Kinky herself, is clever, colorful, critical, and above all, a real one. How do you define yourself as an artist? I'm art, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's it. We all are born as artists, and then, like, society or life or something beats it out of us, right? But I'm one of those people, you can't beat it out of me, baby. You know, like, I'm I'm here for art. That's me. Like, when I talk, when I walk, when I... Uh, uh, you feel me? But I'm, I'm, I want to be a superstar. So that's the answer to the question. But my question to you is, so how many King Key songs are on your playlist? I want to say two right now. And that's two, two less. Okay, we need at least <laughs> six to 12. All right? Six to 12. Yeah. By the end of this convo, I not only add more songs to my playlist, I also walk away understanding Kinky's utter disdain for bathrooms and her profound perspective on parenthood. You're going to want to stay tuned. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Randal Delfetah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Where did you grow up and how did you grow up? I was born in Palo Alto. My dad's family, my dad is from East Palo Alto and my mom's from Redwood City. So I grew up in both of those places a little bit. But I came to the city when I was 14. That was home. 
we grew up homeless. So, you know, it's kind of living a nomadic lifestyle, always having to meet new friends, go to different schools. I asked you that question at the start because those experiences can be pretty heavy as a child. And I imagine that it informs your art, your view on society, your views on family. And at the same time, you seem to use comedy as like a valve, like a release. And I'm wondering, where would you be if you didn't have comedy as a valve? Killer. <laughs> I'll be a murderer or something. I'll be probably in the pen, you know, with 10 bitches. You feel me? Like this, working out on the yard. Like, you got my shit today. You feel me? I think that I probably couldn't have survived my childhood without comedy. I think, like, as an adult now, I'm 30, you know, and I feel like 30 is when you really... Okay, you know, you kind of fucked around in your teens, your 20s, but 30s when you're like, let me figure out what I'm doing here. You know, let me try to get on that path. And I be thinking about it, like the legacy of trauma and sexual violence and domestic violence and, you know, um, institutionalization in my families, on both sides of my families. You know, you grow up mad at your parents and then as an adult now I'm like, damn, like, y'all did what y'all could to survive. And thank God, they're hella funny people, you know? Like, they're mean, trifling, dirty, shady, don't leave $5 around around them people. But they're fucking hilarious, you know? So, um, yeah, we don't want to know where I'd be without comedy. <laughs> you didn't get into arts until you were in your teenage years. What was your introduction to it? My family is really musical. Like, my brother, he loved Frank Sinatra, my oldest brother. Like, I used to go steal his CDs from, you know, them big CD cases where you had to, it was like a, it was like a book. He had all the Nas, Jay-Z. He had a Will Smith CD. Like, you know, all the, all the shit. I used to always just be influenced by, like, his musical taste. And my mom, Bob Marley, Johnny Cash, like, all the, like, Marvin Gaye, Sam Cooke, you know? And I would probably say through poetry and writing, I started fucking with it probably when I was in elementary school. But my brother started rapping at the Boys and Girls Club. They had a like fire studio in the Boys and Girls Club and he was rapping. So, you know, I a lot of times I see my brother do something. I'm like, oh, he could do it. I could do it. Then I just started rapping. We got a little girl group together. We was writing the songs, you know, and um, I don't know. I feel like from starting music, um, like in the studio at 12 to like 2017 when I really dropped my first project. I was trying to find my voice, you know, and trying to figure out my creative path. And then 2017, I found it. I ran with it. And now I'm like on a new exploration, you know, like as an artist, you always meet yourself. Every year, you're a different person. Every experience, there's different art. I love the fact that you said you meet yourself. You constantly meet yourself and you're growing and you evolve as a person and as an artist. But before we get there, take me back to when you first started. Do you remember what your goal was as an artist? When I first started, my goal was to find an engineer and a place to record that I felt comfortable and safe as an artist. It was so hard for the first years trying to find a studio where I can make music and explore my sound and get comfortable. Now it's like, that seems so far away from now where my mind is and what I'm, my goals are now, you know? 
with that said, though, I mean, in your music, you talk unapologetically about your appreciation for women, your disdain for sexism and double standards, and you regularly crack jokes about like masculine tropes and things like that. And so with that evolution that you've experienced in your life, what's your goal now as an artist? Challenge myself creatively. You know, like my brother, he always be telling me every morning, get up, move your body in a different way, like do a weird dance, listen to a different sound because it affects like our brain waves and like our body rhythms. And if you can expose yourself to something different physically or, you know, phonetically, then you can make something new as a musician, as an artist. I love it. More evolution. You organize events mostly in the Bay, but often in L.A. as well. Um, you have the reoccurring event, Pussy Function, which is a rap party and a dance show. And then you have the Kill Your Lover, which is an event that you throw around Valentine's Day. And at these events, you're mindful to work with specifically women, black women. And I'm wondering, what are the highlights of being deeply involved in this circle of black women creatives in the Bay Area? As a little girl, I would look at some women and I would be like, wow, like, Look how popping they are, like, look how beautiful they are, like. I've been up and I've been down, I've been depressed, but I'm okay now. I've been doubted and discouraged, I'm just trying to make my way out. The number one thing is that I get to experience that every time I throw a show, every time we're in community, like, we had pussy function. And I can stop and do a 360 and be like, oh, boom, she over here is doing this. She does this, she does it. And it's everybody's hella talented and beautiful and creative. And it just makes me feel like satisfying that little girl's dreams of like, that's the kind of woman I wanted to be. You know, like sometimes I stop and I'm like, I am that, look at all my popping ass friends and look at this sick shit we're doing, you know? Keep pushing, you gon' make it to the top. I be like, oh bitch, oh bitch, you gotta keep winning. They gon' believe it when they see it, but you knew from the beginning. Like, go bitch, go bitch. So that's the number one thing. And the number two thing is being able to pay my people, you know, like, just like when I get paid for my art, it like I could cry, you know, that somebody feels this is valuable enough to, give me money that was their time, you know, and their effort for me to just show up and talk my shit on a microphone. So to be able to give that feeling to my peers, I don't know, it just, it makes me feel like this is success. Like little you is really happy with who big you became. Every time I'm sad, I think about where I've been before, you know, and think about how 15 years ago you would have fucking... Uh, what you would have done to be where you are right now, you know? So Yeah. Made me think of little me as well. Like, dang. <laughs> now look at me. This is what you gotta do. You gotta stop and like picture yourself on the beach with little you and he's running to you and he jumps in your arms and you swing him around. You guys are like, ah, you know? That's what you gotta do. That's how you heal your inner child. I don't know if current me could carry little me. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of elements of your life, a lot of the things that you talked about, the appreciation of black woman sisterhood, of your experiences growing up, of just being in Oakland. There are elements that also appear in the film that you acted in, Donna and Ali, which is written in and, and co-stars Cousin Shy. It was recently released. The film, I won't give away all the details, but again, it's about friendship. It dabbles in uh, professional sex work, uh, dominatrix work. Um, it's about hustling. It's about Oakland. Uh, how much of this film 
is based on your real life experiences? Well, I mean, when Shy had come to me about doing the film, and I I didn't know her at that time, um, she was telling me like I wrote this, I started writing this character around who I see you as on like Instagram, you know, like that's how she she had come across me. Um, so when I was um, getting into the script, I'm like, oh, this ain't acting. I'm, I'm da- me and Allie ain't that different. You feel me? Um, and I never like done dominatrix work, but I would say for the most part, all of it is pretty like, you know, they're in a group home. I was in foster home. Ali trying to make it and having to like be in Donna's ear, like, come on, like we the shit. I'm not going down like this. I'm not going out like this. Donna's, she's kind of like a little off, kind of getting fucking shit up a lot, you know, dealing with her own like issues, like with the PMDD. How? Let me worry about me. Not the bitch who was just finna fight Trina over nothing. Look, we can't fuck this club up. If we fuck this club up, that's it for us, Donna. There's no get back. It's done for us. That's okay. I got it. I can control it. Let me control it. Let me worry about me. Bitch, let me find out you can control these demonic ass episodes after 13 years. The fuck? I've been like breathing, doing those exercises. Sometimes I sit with my legs crossed and just sit there and be still. I don't do nothing. For you like... mean meditate? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I meditate. <sighs> I got it. Believe in me like I believe in you. Okay, I guess. So I don't know, I feel like it definitely, there's a lot of similarities, but I think it's such a relatable experience for young women of color from the Bay Area in general. Because I have so many people coming, people came up to me at, at the Oakland premiere and the Memphis premiere crying like, like I was feeling, I'm like, this was a comedy. Like, what, where, where's the tear? But you know, it's just like people seeing their unique experiences you know, reflected back to them. Do you have a favorite scene from that film? The whole scene of Ali and Donna when they're kind of at a point where they're in conflict and what they both need is conflicting and they're kind of getting into it. I hated filming that scene. Like, I hated it. Oh, I hate bathrooms. They disgust me. I just like, even my own bathroom, I just be like, fuck, I can't believe I have to do this so many times a day, you know? And we had to, like, roll around on this bathroom floor near a toilet. Oh, oh, oh. I, used, I was like, oh. Uh, but I loved seeing it on screen. You bitch. No! No! No, no, I gotta pee! I gotta pee! Oh, I pee on all your monster strength huh you're just a basic bitch now i don't know it also made me feel like me and shy got closer you know doing those scenes where it's like we were more serious with each other we were mad at each other we were fighting she pees on me like you know so yeah that's probably my favorite and 
Shia looked good the whole movie, but I definitely looked good during those scenes, you know? <laughs> you also have a devout following that has a name, a group. What's the name of the group that supports you, the collective that supports you? Poo-Tang Clan, you feel me? Hey, Tang I mean, from the jump, it always felt hella tight, you know, like, um, when we started, we were a group of 10 girls who were all rapping and performing. And now we boil down to like, you know, me and my sister are the solid, consistent two. And we have a revolving door of artists and creators that support us and are a part of Putang. And, you know, it really came into a, a movement for real. Like there's somebody in Washington and they sent me their tattoo. It says Tang Gang. Like, you know, people really go hard for it. When we was at Pussy Function, my sister was performing. She like, I'm gonna say poo, you say tang, and poo, and everybody throwing it up. And it just, it just made me feel like, oh, you know, like, it just makes me feel so happy to be a woman and a femme person. And I just love women. Like, I always thought I was gay, you know, like I always did. And I'm not, you know, I ain't, you feel me? Um, but it's just, I love women. Like, they're amazing, you know? And so, yeah, it just, it's it's constantly just good good energy. I love it. I love how outspoken you are. And you don't hold anything back. You're very clear about who you are and what you're projecting. Even when you have questions about yourself, you will vocalize that. When I saw you freestyle in 2022 at the second Monday event presented by Gold Beams, your child was there and you didn't hold anything back even with him around. What what does your son make of your performances? Well, when he came to the Oakland premiere of Donna and Allie and he was disturbed. He was like, you know, the dildos, the he looked at me, he said, I hate this. I absolutely hate this. <laughs> and he's proud of me or whatever. But um and when he was younger, you know, he used to go a lot harder with it, like, yeah, turn it up, mom. But now he's growing into, you know, he's a young man. He has his own thing. He listens to his own music. He does like he's his he knows who he is. It's interesting how like being so vulgar, like this lady told me last night at the film festival, the Afro Comic Con film festival, she said, I loved your video. I loved your video. Quite vulgar. Actually, it was really vulgar. And she was like, you know, even if you cleaned it up a little bit, like take all the cuss words out, you could show it in schools. And I'm just like, okay, cool. Like, yeah, what a great suggestion, you know? But I, it's crazy how much weight people put on cuss words, you know? When like literally as we're chilling, right? Like as I'm on my couch, like children are being bombs, you know? And it's not even like children are being bombed for the first time. You know, and like women are going missing and like just many shit happens in the world that we support like unintentionally or subconsciously or financially every day that you think a kid hearing me say fuck the D.A., the F.D.A., fuck a, you know, like fuck a man who give a rapist leeway. Like that's a problem, you know. So I, I don't know. I just I think it's interesting that 
because like you can't be a good parent or a present or a respectable or agreeable parent if you're so vulgar or explicit you know it's like oh your son's around don't say that and i'm like no my son's around i have to say that come on brody like wait 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 say that again say that again hold on wait wait your son's around i have to say that like that is a profound sentiment you i'm a profound person no <laughs> Well, my son, he sees me every day working hard and putting myself out there for something I believe in and something I love, you know? And in a way, it's like I'm very much the four-year-old, five-year-old, 12-year-old child that, you know, experiences like crazy traumas, you know? So I'm, pre- I'm coming into these spaces as that child a lot of times, like healing myself and, you know, being honest with myself and making space and allowing that child to be present. When I was growing up, my mom never really told me the truth. Like she used to, I used to walk in on her crying, like, but she would never like sit down and be candid with me or tell me how she felt or how hard it was for her, you know? And that affects you as a kid. Like it was so hard for me to see my mother's humanity because she never had that emotional like connection to to you know like, like let me in in that way so i always always told myself you know what i'm going to tell my son you know I, I ain't telling him all my business but i'm going to talk to him truthfully and i'm going to tell him like eh, look you know and like i smoke weed and my son's always he told me he's like you are limiting your potential you need to put the weed down and you need to get to the gym with me you know and i said listen you are right, but I am depressed. And therefore, I'm gonna make it to the gym when I can, but in the meantime, I'm finna smoke some weed because it helps me get through it for now, okay? And you know, he understands, like I've built a foundation for him. He knows who he is. He knows how to process his emotions. He has space to share his emotions and disagree with me. I'm not always right. Maybe it's not something people can believe, that you can be like, pussy ass bitch, fuck that nigga there. And then my son's like, hello, how are you doing? Yes, nice to meet you. Thank you. You know, but it's working. <laughs> Parenting 101. I did not expect to get that from Kinky. But also, that's exactly what you're saying. Don't judge someone from the outside. Really take time to understand the method to the madness, especially in this world that's so full of madness. And you are keeping it 100 with your son, which honesty is the best policy. Like they always say that. And so... Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just thinking of how much I shelter my daughter from like cuss words or I try, you know, you get uneasy. A a, a romantic scene might come up on a film. It's not necessarily sex, but it's like something romantic. You know, you get uneasy when you watch that with your parent. You're like, yeah, and I'm trying to tell my daughter it's okay to express love when you're an adult, you know, and of age and can consent. And at the same time, let's change the channel. Right, Um, right. Because, you know, but you're like, nah, let's talk about it. Let's be real. What's next for you as an artist? I'm a full-time student. I go to Laney College. Shout out to the Peralta Community College Network. Um, I'm taking like digital media classes, theater, um, you know, script writing. I feel like Don and Allie was definitely like opens a part of my brain that I didn't see for myself yet. Um, 
So I'm getting into film like script writing and shorts and just trying to immerse myself into that world of acting and, you know, shit, maybe do a little play or something. Oh, and Putang. I am transitioning Putang Clan into a cooperative. So we are going to transition to an event production and a creative production cooperative. Many hats. I can appreciate it. As an artist, that's the way to keep the ball rolling. Like constantly, constantly on the move, constantly growing. Of all those things that you mentioned, do any of them make you nervous? Money. Like, that's crazy. It's crazy that my first answers are money, but being able to show up financially in that way and keep my word, you know, when somebody shares their art or shares space with me is really important to me. My rent gonna have to wait, you know? Fuck rent. Art over rent. By the time they try to evict me, I'm already had to pay the rent. You feel me? You love it. More of it. More of it. Keep sharing your voice because there's definitely an audience that's listening and an audience that's learning from you. And I'm part of that audience. So thank you. Right. Sure. Thank you. Kinky, you are as real as they come. Thank you. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule to chop it up, to give some insight that I needed to hear, and for sharing your story with everyone on the internet ever. Yeah. To keep up with Kinky's events, movies, and more, find her on the socials. Her IG is all hell the king. That's A L L H A I L T H E Q I N G. Find her music on all streaming platforms. Keep in mind that her name is spelled Q I N G Q I. And if you're in the Bay, pull up to her Kill Your Lover party on February 16th at Nine Lives in Oakland. This episode was hosted by me, Pendarvis Harshaw. It was produced by Marisol Medina Cadena. Chris Hambrick is our editor. Cherie Bishop is our production intern. Christopher Beal is our engineer. Additional support was provided by Jen Chien, Katie Springer, Cesar Saldana, Or Dursan, and Holly Kernan. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to tell a friend to tap in, leave a comment, rate the podcast, all of that. Thank you again. Right Now-ish is a KQED production. Until next time, peace. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of The Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. 